This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. It's Monday. So guess what? You know who's on the other line right now. It's Evan Sowards. Evan. Always. Evening, how are you? Good, good. I am not going away. You are all stuck with me. <laughs> you've uh, you've had fun on Twitter.com this weekend. I ha- I have had oh I have had a great football week. Uh, in general, uh, I've had a great week on football Twitter. Just across the board, things are going. We're having a blast. A lot a lot less solemn than we were uh, when the Falcons won, right? Yeah, and they won again, so I'm still solemn because I think they're going to keep everybody. Yeah, and you're going to get a bad draft pick, but, you know, that's fine. I don't really care about the draft pick stuff. I just – draft pick Twitter about – like, it's just – if it was basketball, I'd be a lot more annoyed because eight guys run the league, and it's just – lottery picks in basketball are – there's just a different kind of value. I feel like it's not even that. I feel like it's like if you don't get someone in the top three, you're fucked. Yes, and yes, there will be a Giannis every now and then who goes like 13 and stuff like that. But like 
by and large, you need to get in that top three to really have a chance, and you have to look out there. And I mean, teams got in there, and Charlotte were one pick away from Anthony Davis, and they ended up with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and then Orlando was just all of their unfortunate luck with Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bomb, but like just there's no exact science to it, and it's really hard, and you have to get really lucky. But I uh, I don't know. I don't really care about the the pick stuff because Matt Ryan's playing really well. They don't need a quarterback. The only time I care about the pick is if I have a quarterback. Like if I'm the Dolphins, like if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm a little nervous. We're like, okay, well, we're probably Dolphins, with, with five games. But like, how many do they have though? How many first round picks? They do have a lot, but I mean, the guy that they, I mean, they were. If Joe Burrow is as good as it seems like he's going to be just because of how good he is on the run and how good he is both in a clean pocket and not a clean pocket. You're just like, seems like a slam dunk. I, I don't know. Like this team was built for zero and 16. They won. They're going to end up winning like five games. So if I'm a Dolphins fan and I see Joe Burrow, just lighting it up in Cincinnati with Zach Taylor next year, it's going to break your heart, right? You're like, fuck, we won too many games. Damn it. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, um, I I'm really good at getting people off track, so I apologize, and I'll let you get th- Let's get things organized. I won't make you rant about uh, college football and NBA, and we'll start however it's you fine, need to man. start. I'll get the week season. going. I'm fired up. I will rant about anything. I watched this was- movie last night, Blue Ruin. It was. Have you seen it on Netflix? No. It is a wild ride. And it's a classic hour and a half movie, folks. You can make a good movie and it not be two plus hours long. This is uh, news to some people, but uh, you can actually do that. And those are more enjoyable for me. So I I loved it. Blue Ruin. Just a killer. I mean, it's it's an indie film of of sorts, but $420,000 budget. That's pretty good, dude. It is. It, it, I, I could not recommend this movie enough. So while some people are spending their Christmas time rewatching elf for the 473rd time, no, I'm watching different random indie movies that seem interesting to me. That yeah. those kind of movies are extremely my shit. You know who, uh, I'm looking at this right now. Uh, Devin Rattray, is in it and he was uh buzz McAllister in home alone so that's that's he's the second on the call sheet he's in i oh my god i didn't realize that was buzz he looks terrible now yeah that's so yeah you're watching some quality movies you've got buzz you're being uh facetious here however the movie is great and i would tell you for sure. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on your taste. Like, my favorite actor is Jake Gyllenhaal, and I just... He's great. Like, all of his movies. If you like Nightcrawler, Nocturnal Animal, shit like that, then you would love a movie like this, but... He was great in Spider-Man. Okay. Well... He was great in Spider-Man. He's... Uh, that's fine. Whatever. That's not why you should like Jake Gyllenhaal. He was great. He, he did a very good piece of acting in How is that the first thing? Of all of, he's done... Like it's not the first thing. Down. It's the most re. It's the most recent. I don't want him to stick to a Star Wars cinematic universe or Star Wars. Excuse me, Marvel. He, I just said he did a good job. It's okay. I don't mean to attack your favorite actor. I just I don't like it. I I didn't like that he took that. I was like I was so proud of him for avoiding the uh, the world like Leo DiCaprio. He's avoided it. Keep avoiding it. I want my guys who I would just watch any of their movies forever to avoid the the Marvel or DC paycheck. You're just like, I just need a little October sky 
Donnie Darko, nothing yes. more ever again. I mean, I would I would watch Nightcrawler once a week or Prisoners. Like everything Jake Gyllenhaal does is just ten out of ten. He's a great actor. Just just the best. Um there's another one, John Bernthal. Uh I watched that one over the weekend. It was something I was gonna recommend this to you because like, you feel like a Josh Bernthal guy who did the Punisher. And it seemed like he was good. I didn't watch it, but I heard John Bernthal, right? Yes. Yeah. Sweet he Virginia. Was a... That's the name. Have you seen Sweet Virginia? No, but everything he does is great. He's a very intense actor. Also on Netflix and 95 minutes long. He was, uh, he was also great in, uh, what did he just do? Um, baby driver. Oh yeah. Also baby driver. Great Guess where that was filmed? Atlanta. Yeah, downtown. Opening scene is one of my favorite opening scenes in any movie. The car chase. I, I, I will. Me too. But also because I have, uh, I used to drive a WRX, so I was very excited to see him driving a red WRX. What do you drive now? I drive drive a Prius, man. <laughs> I went from a, a very. I went from a race car WRX to a fast BMW to. Uh, I'm an old man in in LA. It's time to get a Prius. Oh my God! You went from a BMW to a Prius. Three hundred horsepower twin turbo BMW to a eighty-six horsepower Prius, but I get gas once every month and a half, two months. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's what happens when you work two miles away from work. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna still sell. do that with a BMW. Well, no, 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 no. I got seventeen miles to the gallon of my BMW. I Are get almost serious? fifty in the pre op Yeah, it was, it was. Well, it was a big, big old engine, big, 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 big engine. It was really stupid. It was very fast, and I had no business driving anything that nice. Be honest, do you miss it at all? Of course, absolutely. It was so fun to drive. But in my defense, I drive the Prius the exact same. It just really? takes takes a little bit longer to get there. <laughs> yeah, I take corners. I pass people. I, I look far like far left lane in a Prius. I just hundred percent. I people probably think I'm an absolute maniac. Like I'm like weaving through lanes. Like I have to like remind myself that I'm not driving like the BMW. I'm just like, oh, this is a sky blue Prius. You look like an asshole. <laughs> But I mean, what's worse, driving behind the crazy person in a Prius or like the slow driver? You know, oh, the slow driver. One hundred percent. There was yeah. someone. It's pouring down rain in Atlanta. It's been like that for the last couple of days, and I was coming back from work today, and there was someone in the middle lane with their flashers on, going like twenty-five miles an hour in rush hour traffic. Like we're moving through with the rain. Like, what are you doing? Their car I mean, didn't have a problem. They people put on their flashers in the rain, and I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I got nothing there. No, it, those those people should not be on the road. Um, <laughs> speaking of people who should not be on the road, the Los Angeles Rams, because when they went into San Francisco on the road, they uh, they came up short. That was a good game, though. It was a really good game, and you know who got lost in the shuffle from that game? Jared Goff talk- was really awesome. <sighs> Yeah, it's time to admit well, it. He had so many big throws that, like, he had a, a beautiful bomb on the right hand side to Robert Woods in that game. He had a good, clean touchdown pass. Jared Goff had to run for his life a lot, and he so he stepped up. So okay, the starting safety, the starting Richard Sherman is out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared Goff did okay. He was good. 
Eh. He was better than Jimmy Garoppolo for three quarters. Once again, he, uh, he you know, he had a lot of people out, and I'm pretty sure I this is actually personally. Well, no, I'm not taking it personally, but so for me, like, there's some things that still need to be worked out, and we're going to obviously talk about all of this, but like, I, you know, ever since D Ford has been out, the 49ers pass rush has it looked not bad, but like, I mean, they were averaging three to four sacks a game to like, they haven't had a, you know, like they haven't had more than three sacks in the last six weeks kind of shit. Mm. And that's terrifying. But like you, the reason why I bring it up, when you look at Aaron Donald on the other side of that, you know, on the other side of the ball, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL. I think that's very fair to say. Um, it was pretty evident. It was very evident that like we were missing a lot like, you know, Bosa is obviously the best rookie, uh, I think, in the NFL this year. I don't think I would. I, I think he's the best rookie in the NFL. I think he's honestly had defensive player of the year. Um, he had like something like some ridiculous number of pressures last year or this game. So I think he's been playing amazing. But like they just double teamed him the whole time. They had to put a tight on tight end on him, too. And uh, yeah, he just he's getting locked up. But when we had D Ford healthy. And D Ford, you know, had like six and a half sacks before he got injured. They couldn't do that, right? They couldn't swing that power all the way over. And that was a deciding factor. So, I mean, why don't we start here? What did you think about the Rams-Niners game? I thought both teams were really good. And guess what? I think both teams are better than the Seahawks. We'll get there. We'll get there. We should end I... that. I've got so much to say about that game. I think a lot of – the point about Donald is a big one because I think – I have real questions about the 49ers offensive line right now. Garoppolo took six sacks in this game. I I don't know. I wonder about that a little bit. And then I also get a little bit worried when George Kittle is taken away. There was like Shanahan. I mean, he had the great play call to the fullback in the first quarter on that uh, like 35 yard uh, run catch. Um, he gets Debo involved in really cool ways, like the end around stuff that actually works and just getting him out in space and letting him work. Debo is like sneaky fast. I don't remember him being that fast. And well, it's not even that he's sneaky fast. He's fast enough, but he's, he reminds me a lot like Anquan Bolden where it's like, he's got enough speed to go with the power that when he fucking hits you, like you better hang on for dear life. And like, that's, I think they kind of, I mean, let me just say this. So the way I saw the game and this is kind of, Coming off the Atlanta game, I was in the same position. So the first th- like three third downs, they forced the ball to George Kittle. They were starting the game out just like they did in Atlanta. You know, 12, 13 targets or something like that in Atlanta. Just forcing the ball to him. And every time they had two people on Kittle, screwed up the first three third down conversions. And I'm sitting here like, I think I tweeted this. I was like, you can't keep forcing the ball to Kittle. That's what they're expecting. You have Emmanuel Sanders, Devo, San, uh, you know Samuel. You have even Kendrick Bourne, who's been great on third down. Like you have weapons. If they're gonna double Kittle, spread the ball out. And like as if like I willed it to God. As soon as I tweeted that, you started seeing these jet sweeps uh, to Devo. They were straight up handing the ball off to him. You know, quick passes. Just, I mean, so much different stuff. Like, you saw Kyle open up the playbook. I don't know if, like, he just had that those first couple series, like, uh, lined up or whatever. But he opened up the playbook, 
And that's when you just started to see the offense move quicker and quicker. And like, those were the adjustments I wanted to see in the Falcons game, but they wouldn't do it because the pass rush is getting there too quickly. So they couldn't get past their first read, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I mean, there's too many good offensive players, uh, you know, too many weapons on the 49ers to really only give the ball to George Kittle. And it seems like the Achilles heel for the 49ers is when they force the ball to Kittle. As you can see, they did it um, in, at the Atlanta Falcons game. They didn't have Kittle against the Seahawks when they lost. So it's like, I, I just think there's too much of an emphasis in, on him in the offense. That was my thought. I don't think they're, I, I just, I'm just a firm believer in today's day and age that you can never have too much of an emphasis on a on a good player. Like the Patriots did it over and over again with James White in that Chargers game where he got like 17 targets. Like they would target Kronk every single game as many times as they can because that's just a mismatch or Julian Edelman out in space. Like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they each average like 20 plus targets a game, like a game in, game out. If you can't defend it, there is no reason for you to just get a little cute and just go, you know what? We're throwing the ball to kill Harry 17 times today. Let's see what they got for that. Like, I think it's fine that George Kittle is still getting targeted a ridiculous amount because usually um, it works out. Like, he had five catches. Four of those were for a first down. He still had a touchdown. Like, he got locked up for the most part, I think. But it still was better to force feed George Kittle on a lot of that stuff than um, the alternatives. I think it's okay for teams to force feed superstars. No, man. No, especially not this game. Literally, they were losing when they were forcing the ball to I'm Kittle. Okay and because eventually, I would bet on eventually that changing is my thing. It's like, I think if you target George Kittle 25 times, like, I, 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 what do you think that ends up? What's his final line if he gets 25 targets? I mean, it doesn't matter, though. That's literally what happened when they played the Falcons. Yeah, they almost won. They lost. Yeah, by seven points. It was a close game. They gave him 13 receptions. He was still insane which, in that which, game. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter. He lost. They lost. Well, hold on. They the lost. They're riding a hot streak right now. They, he had 17 targets in that game. Debo Samuel had three. Emmanuel Sanders had four. 17 targets. They lost. When, when the 49ers spread the ball out, when they use all of their weapons, they win aggressively they scored 48 points against the falcons like they're they win i mean they win the packers game it's the same thing they need to spread the ball out the packers game if you look at the actual box score and right that was one of the most lopsided games of the season six targets to george kittle two targets to devo samuel two to Bourne, three to mostert one to sanders four to coleman Right, like one to Jeff Wilson, like they spread the ball out, and then obviously they rush the ball too, you know. But it's just it's an aggressive amount. That's that's how you're going to win. If the 49ers plan on going to the Super Bowl, they obviously have to get they have to get healthy. D Ford has to get healthy. Jacuski Tart has to get healthy. Um, you know, Sherman has to be healthy in it. But yeah, if they not only do they need to be healthy, but they got to spread the ball out to every single one of their players. That's fair. I that's fair. Um, can you explain to me why Kawan Williams has four first fumbles in the season? So it's most of any quarterback in the league, I just was going through different things today and I was like, what the hell is that? 
Kawan Williams is one of the most underrated players I've seen in so long. Now, granted, slot corners aren't really predominantly your your all-star highlight reel kind of guy. Uh, but Kawan, when he got signed, he was poorly – uh, you know, shown because he was on such a bad team, right? The last couple of years, the 49ers have been terrible. He has played so well for so long. Now, once again, what do you think about an NFL team that has a very good pass rush? They're getting to the quarterback early. They're making these quarterbacks make mistakes. They're having to do dump offs, first reads, things like that. Cause there's not enough time for the plays to develop. So when you're doing those short passes, when you're dumping the ball off to the running back, who's the first person there? Kwan Williams. So he's got a huge opportunity this year and he's just a damn good corner. He's honestly one of the most underrated football players in the entire NFL. I genuinely believe that. So, you know, when you're getting more opportunities and you're also talented, it's four fumbles. That's what you get. I'm ready. That was that was great. I, I needed the scouting report on this, so there you go. Um, I, we're done. I mean, the the argument is over. Press versus you know, pass rush versus coverage. Statistically, PFF these people they're all like, oh no, it's coverage. It's not. I don't care what anyone says. The 2011 49ers and the 2019 49ers are your case study. Pass rush is more important. Last year, the corners couldn't cover anything it was the worst defensive backs group period and sherman was healthy all year sherman still played well but they just threw the ball to akella witherspoon all year long and he couldn't do shit because there was no pass rush and it just took forever now there's a pass rush and every corner on the 49ers looks like a pro bowler yeah that's that's fair. not that i have a not that i have a strong opinion about it or no, anything no not at all not at all um in the final 10 minutes of the game last night, Jimmy or of Saturday night, Jimmy Garoppolo was 6 of 8, 134 yards, touchdown, and a passer rating of 156.3. Do you believe in the Jimmy is a, like there's something that clicks for him in the fourth quarter? I believe wholeheartedly that he is, and this is things that his teammates say, and you can take it for granted if you want to, but people constantly that are close to Jimmy Garoppolo talk about how calm, cool, and collected he is. And I believe it's true. If you look at his numbers after he throws a pick, it's some of the best quarterbacking numbers, if not the best quarterbacking numbers, period, in the NFL. The guy has a, you know, you talk about having a short memory. It's important for quarterbacks because they don't want to throw a pick. You know, a mistake happens. If you look at Jimmy's interceptions this year, a lot of them have been tip balls that aren't even his fault. But even still, there are quarterbacks, you know, that get really down on themselves or lose their confidence. It just doesn't happen to him. And I don't necessarily think that he's going like further into the other side of the spectrum. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's like, you know, charging up or going super saiyan because he threw a fucking interception. I just think he as a whole is a very good quarterback. And as the game progresses, he stays calm and he stays focused. Whereas as games progress, guys like Jared Goff, guys like you look at Sam Bradford back in the day, I think Kirk Cousins is a good example or, you know, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of examples. There's definitely a lot of examples, but I think when they get to a point where mistakes start to happen, there's certain quarterbacks that it, it, 
kind of breaks them down. And Jimmy's just not that dude. So Jimmy's already a good quarterback. They need to go in and they need to score. They need to throw the ball. They need to connect and convert on, by the way, those two third downs, third and 16s, are those, can you name two more clutch passes, third down conversions ever? Like what's the last time you've seen two clutch third down conversions that impressive? I mean, in the Super Bowl. And I'm, I guess third downs, I mean, we know a lot of the big fourth downs. Who could forget uh, Mr. Freddie Mitchell? And, uh, right. Bit, yeah. But I mean, those are big balls throws. Third yeah. and 16. Yeah. What did you think about the blown coverage uh, from the safety with Jalen? I was ask you about that. Like, in the moment you saw Jalen react, um, I don't know if you, when you were watching, you saw his, like, reaction. I did. To, yeah. I did. It, uh, to the Washington safety. What's his name? Taylor Rapp. Um, mm-hmm. Really talented kid. Obviously, there was some miscommunication. He was supposed to do something that... There wasn't. There wasn't. There was well, no Jaylen miscommunication. Said after the game, there was. Well, so so I, I know he said that, but I think he was just trying to emphasize how much it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Anybody who, who need, anybody listening to this, follow Eric Crocker on Twitter. His name is Croc Time. Uh, easy to find, C-R-O-C-K. Uh, he used to play in the NFL as a cornerback. He played um, with Antonio Cromartie on the Jets with Rex Ryan. He is a big 49ers fan so naturally he continued he does a lot of analysis and game recaps and and just a lot of general work when it comes to press coverage and things like that uh he has a press coverage podcast um but he was specifically talking about that so in that they're supposed to bracket the you know the corner and safety are supposed to bracket the receiver and by doing that that's why Jalen slows. So instead of Jalen trying to run with him, he wants to run behind him to basically catch, you know, the interception to pass the break, uh, pass break up from the front, all of the above. But when you saw Emmanuel Sanders running that route, there was one step. It was like right before he broke right, he took like one step like he was going to go left. And the one thing I'll say that Rap did really bad is he bit on that. As soon as he saw that step, he thought that was where the route was going. So he hesitated. And the hesitation was all Sanders needed to be. He was gone and wide open. So Jalen did what he was supposed to do in that pursuit, you know, follow. And he was just expecting the safety to stay on top. But the safety saw that one little hesitation left and he moved. And that was all it took. It was a great route. It was very subtle. But it was just just one step was enough for Emmanuel Sanders to just light it up was like 43 yards. Yeah, and it's fine. Jalen also had a good game. He had a good pick. Um, he did. He got so high up there. Yeah. Like, people are overreacting to the Jalen stuff. I, I think he's just kind of a dick. Like, I think that's all it, all it is. But he backs it up most of the time, so you're fine with it. I think it's it's fine. I don't think it's a big issue, and I think they probably talked about it after the game. They're going to watch film. They already have. It's recording this on Monday night. They they hashed it out. Like I'm not really worried about the Jalen future in Los Angeles. He's still very talented, and they put him on Kittle a lot uh, Saturday night. Well, I that was the one thing that I was going to say. I have been a huge, huge critic on this podcast of that pick, or mm-hmm. excuse me, of that trade. Losing that pick, giving up Marcus Peters essentially for that. And to be honest with you, when they had Marcus Peters before, didn't matter. 
and the 49ers just rolled the Rams, right? I was at that game at the Coliseum. That was a great game. But Jalen Ramsey really made a difference last night. And I think between that interception, which was just kind of a bad throw from Jimmy in the first place, um, but a lot, you know, he gets in these players' heads, and I think he really does kind of like fuck with them in a sense of making them make bad decisions and maybe run bad routes and worry too much about talking trash. And then he just, you know, top three corner in the NFL. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing, the Rams are going to be fine. I just think they have to improve their offensive line and also um, not pay Todd Gurley. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, that has already happened. That I is, mean, um, he looks slow. Like, even when he gets outside and he had that touchdown, you're like, this is not the same Todd Gurley. This is just far- sad. As far as I'm concerned, and this is a Niners fan, I shouldn't even be giving them advice. But if I'm a Rams GM, I'm just I'm drafting a literally a running back every single year until we figure it out. Like Daryl Henderson, supposed to maybe be that guy. He's just not. He he's been decent at times, and he looks like he's got that speed, but he's just not. Uh, Malcolm Brown. Also, another guy that they they really liked that they thought could uh, potentially split carries with, never even got a chance. Uh, Last year, you saw C.J. Anderson do more for them than he did. So, if I'm the Rams, uh, you know, maybe the fourth, fifth round, I'm drafting a running back. Or just getting him in free agency. Like, the Vikings started tonight. Boone, undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati. Like, you can find running backs anywhere. Speaking of running backs, you can find anywhere. Um... Shout out to the Falcons, another team that paid their running back after Kyle Shanahan made him look like a million bucks. Um, Devontae, 11 targets, 9 receptions. Best game as a Falcon in years in uh, the win against the Jaguars. It was All I can say about that game is great pass rush again. Um, Gardner was really bad, 13-31. to 31. He was... Like, it was just weird because the Falcons... Like, Bleedy Ray Wilson has become, like, a legitimate dude. He's like this year's Brian Poole. Um, couple can't stop talking about him. Love He's him. the MV- MVP of the pod. Oh, absolutely. I'm all in on Bleedy Ray Wilson. Um, but it was interesting because they just they shut down DJ Chark, who I like a lot, and DD Westbrook had they both had I think four or five targets and two receptions, I believe, a piece, something like that, but less than 20 yards. They didn't do anything like they just Fournette was averaging five yards of carry. They probably could have done more there in that game, but. Um, the Falcons defense seems like it's making, it's turning, turning the corner a little bit. The offensive line's playing better. Um, big Russell Gage guy and, uh, shout out to Julio Jones for another insane target, uh, percentage this week and, uh, another great season. Now that said, uh, please lose to the Panthers and we'll on Sunday so that this coaching staff is not, uh, returning. Cause I think seven and nine is like, they're going like, I can already see how that narrative is going where Arthur Blank's like, we, uh, we ended the season strong. We uh we got off to a bad start that one and seven start, but uh, who we actually are was who who we actually think we are is the the last few games of the season. That's who we actually are. So you know it's not gonna happen, right? Huh? You saw you saw how the Panthers played this t- this last week. Oh, yeah, you know you know the that. Falcons are gonna win. Seven and nine keeps this staff together, and I'm, I'm yeah, quite sad. Well, well, guess what? The the staff staying together then because the Falcons are gonna beat the Panthers. Will Greer is not gonna beat. Matt Ryan's just, you know, maybe at the, earlier in the year when the Falcons were struggling we a little bit. But... Let's just put Matt Schaub in there. 
Protect I'm, your uh, long-term investment in Matt Ryan. Falcons, <laughs> throw Matt Schaub out there. Let's get Matt Schaub versus Will Greer. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, honestly, I I would I don't know. I don't know. They're really they they're the Falcons have been on a run. They beat the Saints, they beat the 49ers. Uh, you know, they went in. The Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars have been a competitive team a lot this year. And, you know, Julio goes 10 for 166. Like Devontae, as you said, 53 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I think it's absolutely something you need to look at about what does the future look like. But they're not going to start or they're not going to bench Matt Ryan. They're going to play him. They're going to beat the Panthers. The Panthers are a weird team this year. What is? Can someone explain the logic to me in firing Ron Rivera to replace him with Mike McCarthy? So, I am not a big Ron Rivera fan. You know, I'm not like I don't dislike him by any means, but like Cam Newton when he was Cam Newton at his peak, one of the most dominant quarterbacks I've ever seen. Like. Same way that Russell Wilson and he at his peak is doing things. You know, like I don't know if I think Ron Rivera is really good or if he just was very lucky to have Cam Newton and a pretty decent defense at the time. You know, they were like I think a top five defense at the time of their Super Bowl run. So Ron Rivera leaving, I don't have an issue with that. And I don't have an issue with Mike McCarthy starting somewhere else. Uh I think his little year-long coaching rehab, whatever, is so stupid. But I think Ron Rivera needed a different place to go. And the Panthers, if they have all these weapons, DJ Moore, you know, Curtis Samuel, um, Christian McCaffrey, right? Those are some serious weapons. Whether Cam stays or not, like, I want an offensive-minded head coach. If you look at the team, the league right now, like, if you look at who these teams are – if you look at the Vikings, if you look at the 49ers, if you look at the Rams, even though they're struggling a little bit, right? If you look at the Packers, uh, these are offensive-minded teams, and they all have very similar profiles. Get a good defense, have a good defensive coordinator, but you need to have an offensive-minded team. And I think that's – they're probably thinking that. You don't want to – how many years do you want to waste of Christian McCaffrey? But he's not being wasted. If you have the right coordinator, and Norv Turner has done a great job the last couple of years there. Like, I, I just I don't like the idea of firing a veteran coach who won a lot to replace him with another veteran old school coach who also used to win a lot. Like, it just if you're going to go offense and you're going to fire Ron Rivera, it better be like a young, intriguing offensive mind. So I agree with you on the offensive mindset point of view, but I don't understand the logic in going with someone who's been out of the league for a year and also. Um, just kind of falls in those same curmudgeon-y type issues that Ron Rivera fell into. I, d- I don't understand the logic behind that at all. No, I mean, I, I do get the point. I mean, I, I totally get it. Um, I, it makes sense. I, I'm not going to say that it doesn't. I think, you I know, I think... Take another LaFleur. Well, that's take my another, thing. Take the other LaFleur from San Francisco. That's my point. So I was going to say, I think last year you saw an exodus of... You know, Sean McVay, it was like a whole joke. Like, oh, who's Sean McVay's barber? Like, you know, he can be a head coach, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's what you're going to see is you're going to start looking at, like, you know, the offensive coordinator. Like Shane Day is the quarterback's coach. He's been in the NFL as a quarter, as a coach for 11 years, 
right? Like LaFleur is the brother of Matt LaFleur, obviously. Like those are those are guys that they're going to start to see positions open up, I think. Mike LaFleur is the passing game coordinator. I don't know if he's obviously probably not going to go to head coach, but maybe offensive coordinator. Um, I don't think that there's the same – pedigree of people that are ready for head coaching positions but i do think the 49er staff is going to see definitely you know a couple positions empty because of kyle shanahan's uh success this year yeah it should be interesting to see what happens with robert saleh do you think he leaves do you think you lose both of your coordinators this offseason so here's my thing robert saleh is not going to be a good head coach i don't care i don't care what anybody says every Robert Sala was an awful coach for two years. And then they get D Ford, the best defensive player to come out since what? JJ Watt? You know, like it isn't until talent came in that Robert Sala started to be successful, you know, and Kyle Shanahan's a genius. He had the offense scoring points. The defense was the worst defense two years in a row. So if you're going to tell me that they want to hire a guy who is basically a glorified cartoon. It's like Mr. Clean with like a steroid addiction. Um, you know, no offense to Robert Sala, but like I'm not putting him as my head coach. So I don't think he leaves because I think the hype as him as a head coach is really just like because he's an entertainment piece, he's good for the media. But I don't think any team's legitimately looking at Robert Sala for a head coaching position. Yeah. Um, I would always be nervous about hiring uh... – Defensive-minded coaches at this point in the NFL. Um, how great were the Cardinals on a Sunday? Dude, I'm terrified of Kyler Murray. Well, you don't have to maybe a little bit. He he pulled his hammy this week. No, no, no. I am not. I'm, I'm a 49ers fan. Not right now. Long term. He looks good. He, he looks like a mini Russell Wilson. He just – he's. I said it on Twitter. I was like – you know, God bless Kyler Murray. Finally, the Seahawks have to play a guy like Russell Wilson that they have to chase around the field for 60 minutes. Like, not only was he throwing darts, not only was he get, you know, I mean, what he has been able to do with such a, you know, a seemingly bad team uh, has been super impressive. Um, it's been pretty cool to watch him do his thing. I'm not excited for it, but I am very thankful that he beat the Seahawks. Kenyon Drake, man. Kenyon Drake had 166 yards and two touchdowns. How bad is Adam Gase? Yeah, um, that's not great. But also not just Adam Gase. Wasn't he on the Dolphins this year? Who, Drake? Yeah. Yeah, but my, he was... Chad O'Shea deserves some shade, too, at this point. Well, my point is, is Kenyon Drake played so poorly with Adam Gase that I'm sure they didn't give him much of a chance this year. But like, it doesn't help the 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 issues with um their running back um the other one who's the one that we've already forgotten about who was just great for like a two year stretch. Why am I blanking on their other running back's name? Wait, are you talking about right now? Yes, for the Cardinals. Who's the main one? Oh, um, David Johnson. But he yeah, got in. He got injured. And he hasn't been the same since. Well, he complained this past week about his role in the offense and stuff like that. And then you see Kenyon Drake just go off again. So I'm interested to see how that continues to unfold in arizona but this was just 
like the Seahawks drove right down the field and then just got manhandled the rest of the game. Like they scored first and you're like, oh, the Seahawks are going to do what they did to the Cardinals earlier this season. And they then, did see some big injuries. They did. But like so did the Cardinals. And the Cardinals also just don't have talent. And a lot of teams are injured right now. And I don't buy that excuse because um, Lockett and Metcalf were both in this game. And yes, losing Dwayne Brown hurts. But Russell Wilson's played behind a bad offensive line his whole career. Um I was more concerned that this defense, I mean, yeah, Shaquille Griffin was out. Uh, Javion Clowney did not play. Um, but it's still just not enough to excuse losing to the Cardinals the way they did yesterday. And the Cardinals just looked better. And Kyler just, he's fun. And I was all in on Kyler before, and I'm still all in on Baker, and people are reacting to Baker. Just wait till he gets a real coach. Um, I... I'm a, I don't know. Like it was just interesting because the Cardinals outscored the Seahawks 27 to six uh, from midway through the first quarter on. And the Seahawks just had 135 yards of total offense after the opening drive. Arizona had 412. Can we Seattle was can, one for 12 on third down over one on fourth. Like they're just that offense. Like it just stinks. Like outside of Russell Wilson, just the way they, their whole offensive philosophy is just dumb. Here's my thing. I'm a bitter man. I hate the Seahawks with every ounce of my being. I hate Starbucks. To me. I hate uh, Macklemore. I hate uh, Nirvana. I hate everything about well, Seattle. Like Nirvana uh, podcast. Honestly, I don't hate Nirvana. I just okay. uh, it's the principle. <laughs> I have to. Um, but but the reality is, here's my hot take: Russell Wilson has single-handedly I mean obviously the legion of boom as well don't get me wrong but they're gone now but Brian Schottenheimer's trash he's trash here's my big hot take Pete Carroll's trash I really believe it Pete Carroll is not a good head coach he left USC left USC and then Tom Coughlin was it not Tom Coughlin but uh who uh, who was the John Scott McLuhan, sorry. No, no, no. Was it Scott McLuhan at the time? Who are you talking about? The GM that drafted Russell Wilson. Oh, was that Scott McLuhan? Because I thought he was in Washington at that time. Because he was. I think. I think he was a part of them. He was like an assistant. Like, yeah, I think he might have been one of their like assistant scouts. But Schneider's still the GM. He's been there for John. Yeah. John Schneider's been there for like fifteen years. Yeah. So my point is this. Pete Carroll leaves USC running away because basically he got caught cheating. He shows up to Russell Wilson. He shows up to Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner, Earl Thomas. Like, you know, this team, he walks into this team and they win. They're one of the most dominant defenses ever in the history of the NFL. Russell Wilson's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. They just went in in a year where the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick were supposed to be the next thing for the next 10 years. And they just ripped that from them and took over. And ever since the Legion of Boom died, ever since, uh, you know, Doug Baldwin leaves, uh, the running game, the beast mode leaves. They're they're not the same team anymore. Like they still know how to beat the 49ers, even though they lost last year to a third string quarterback. But 
I just think, to me, last game, the Seahawks-Cardinals, that was one of the worst coach game I've ever seen ever. I mean, how bad was that co- the game from a coaching perspective? It was bad. And you retweeted this from uh, Joe Fan. Who, he said, uh, Seahawks really ran their four-string running back on third and three rather than putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. And it's insane. Like, I hate Russell Wilson so much. He's the most corny, <laughs> corny, ridiculously I just he's the most hateable person on earth. He's just got the most punchable face. And I'm not a violent man. I'm supposed to I'm born to hate this man. And still it's just disrespectful. They've been trying to run the ball. And it's like it's such a weird dynamic. The the team that should have run the ball with Beast Mode to win the Super Bowl is the team that has to run the ball now and didn't want to then when the Super Bowl was on the line. They're taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand for the Rashad Pennies, the Chris Carsons, um, CJ Procise, and now it's going to be uh, Robert Turbin probably against the 49ers next week, or maybe Marshawn Lynch and his old ass. Like, it's just never ending bad decisions by Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson is just doing everything in spite of Pete Carroll to win football games. That I think is the biggest takeaway. But then again, I don't know how much of this Pete Carroll's not signing on for. Like he chose Brian Schottenheimer. I think he has a huge influence in the way they play. And I think that's what he wants. I think he wants a smash mouth. Why he's bringing in Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin this week. I don't think he wants this to be a Kansas City type offense. I don't think he wants Russell Wilson doing what Patrick Mahomes does. Is it wrong? I think so. Um but I, I don't think this is something he wants. I don't think he wants Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf getting 15 targets apiece and like Will Disley becoming like a huge thing for them. I, I don't know. I think that's like just not what he and Schottenheimer want. I think they're more aligned than we than we think. Of course they're more aligned, obviously. But my point is this. Like Russell Wilson is Mr. Good Guy. He's never going to say, you know, he's like Jimmy Garoppolo in a sense of when he's in front of a camera and a microphone, he always says what you want your professional team player quarterback to say, always. And he's never going to put anybody on the team down. He's never going to complain. He's just going to be like, got to try harder next time. You know, got to work for the team. Shout out to the 12th man. Great crowd tonight. We should have won for him. It's just it's constant, but at the end of the day, holy shit, Pete Carroll lost that game. They there's never should have. I mean, they never like the 49ers should have never lost to the Falcons. Pete Carroll and their 11 win Seahawks team should have never lost to the Cardinals. The 49ers sweep the Cardinals this year. It should have never happened. Yeah, um, but hey, if you're a Cardinals fan, I would feel really good about where your team's going. I think they're making strides and this is just a this was a big statement one for them and I think they're they're moving in the right direction. Um a team that's not moving in the right direction, Evan. The Dallas Cowboys. However, <laughs> I have to move I have to include the Titans in this conversation because I was thinking about these two teams who are losing important games down the stretch, but I could not think any differently about the two of them. And that the Titans are losing down the stretch, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because the Ravens are going to sit everybody for the Steelers game um, next Sunday, even though Lamar Jackson wants to play. They're impressive in both of these losses. Like They had the Saints in the ropes for most of that game. 
they had the, like they just the Texans was close. Like it wasn't uh, that game could have gone either way, and the Texans are just extremely Jekyll and Hyde, and that's just who they are. So whatever. They have so much talent. Like AJ Brown is having one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons in years. Um, Tannehill is still throwing darts. You have Jonu Smith, who's uh, just carrying the mantle for deceptively, there. deceptively fast. Yes, deceptively fast. Um, I like so many different things about that Titans team right now, and they're losing, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. And you're like, how can you be so excited about a team that's like eight and seven? It's like, well, they're just. If you watch them week in, week out right now, they're just a really good all-around football team. And they're just losing to good teams. Like It just sucks they had to play those two teams last. Um, A.J. Brown has a receiving grade of 80.6 as a rookie. Um, he's only one of eight rookie wide receivers since 2010 to post a receiving grade above 80 with at least 250 routes run through week 15. Like He's, he's ridiculous. And then you look at the Cowboys and you're like, ugh. This is seven and eight losing down the stretch. Like I should like a lot of your stuff. Like you have a lot of talented pieces. You have a Mark Cooper, you have Dak Prescott, who's been great. And he's, I don't think he's right. I think the shoulder stuff's real, but do they have a Mari Cooper? They do. When they, are you sure? Yeah. When they want to use him, I didn't Uh, see him on the last play of the game. Yeah. That was, what was that? Like just subbing guys in and out classic mix up. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird how I, we look at certain teams, but I could not be any lower on where the Cowboys are right now, and I could not uh, be any higher on where the Titans are, and they're they're riding a losing streak right now. Well, let me let me give as much clarity into what I think is a very right opinion on yours. I think the Titans are playing on house money, right? When it comes down to it, when you change your quarterback in the middle of the season, and your quarterback's Ryan Tannehill, who just got a mat you know who just got pushed out and just basically removed from the dolphins who are now what have like four wins uh you're not expecting much right you're not expecting much marcus Mariota was considered to be a really good a very safe pick and obviously has had a lot of trouble so when you're the tennessee titans in a division that they're in right it's not easy you know this division well um i think you're playing with house money and and anything is good. Losing to the Saints, whatever. We've had a great season. House money, baby. You know, like it's not a big deal. I think the the Titans are uh, you know some free agency moves and a good draft away from really competing in that division for the number one spot in the division, and maybe even competing with the AFC, depending on what happens um, with the Patriots and obviously now the Ravens and the Chiefs. So I think, you know, you can look at the Titans and be positive about what's going on. The Cowboys, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said by people that make a lot more money than I do. But I want to reiterate what they say. Uh, the Cowboys have – they have, the, you know, it's insane to me. They're running back. The highest paid running back in the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott. Elliot, he was in Mexico. He was holding out. They brought him back. They signed him. They paid that man. Dak Prescott, for whatever reason, doesn't care about money, is still playing. He doesn't, you know, he's not holding out. He's just, whatever, let's play. Obviously, he's got a, a lot of endorsements, whatever, but the Cowboys have all the pieces. They should be competing for a Super Bowl right now. Once again, Jerry Jones. These people are just stopping this team from 
from being successful. So I think when you look at the Titans and you go, okay, well, nothing should be going right and things are and we're happy that it is. They're playing on house money. Good for them. The Cowboys have failed and played down on every single opportunity they've had in the last three years. And in the bigger picture, I saw someone say this on Twitter. You know, you look at Tony Romo, you look at Des Bryant, you look at John, Jason Witten, you look at, and you just keep going down the line, right, to all of these players that have played on the team. Now you look at Dak Prescott, you look at uh, Amari Cooper, and it's just like they have been ruining these, these amazing players' careers for 13 years now. And people just accept it because, oh, well, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. They're America's team. The name's huge. But they've done nothing. There's no team that's done less with more than the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, especially now. Uh, this just really hurts. And um, I I don't – do you think it's interesting that Demarcus Lawrence isn't getting any any shade? He did nothing in this game. Like, Wentz had a lot of time because he, he completed almost 80% of his passes. And he was just surgically – destroying i don't know how you feel about Wentz, but he was very good in this game and he's very good at the underneath stuff and he's very good at playing this kind of game and he was doing it with nobody like greg wards of the world and that new insert tight end name x here um dallas goder is pretty good dallas goder he was one of the one of the high higher end tight ends i think they took him like what the first two rounds yeah he was supposed to be good and the he's point is, he's a better. name where it's like, sure, another one. Like these guys, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, like all these guys, they just pop up and you're like, all right, the Eagles got another one. Um, they're great. And Carson Wentz is really good at finding his tight ends and finding receivers. Miles Sanders is really good. Um, but I don't know. And then Doug Peterson after the game saying nobody gave us a chance. What? At home? Against a bad Cowboys team? Yeah, what? I mean, on, honestly... He said that with a straight face. I was watching that. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Who didn't believe in the Eagles in this game? So here's my deal. I think what we have to look at here consciously is what do you think about Robert Quinn? What do you think about old man Michael Bennett? Right? Like those are the guys that are going on the other sides of Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence, I think, is having a, a Nick Bosa-esque moment. He doesn't have anyone else on the other side of him. I, I mean, I don't think so. You can maybe say that those names are important. I don't think so. But if you know you can shut down Demarcus Lawrence and double team him, put the tight end on him with the offensive lineman, what else are you worried about? Like, are, do you want? Are you worried about Jordan Lewis safe? You know, blitzes. Like, are you worried about Xavier Woods? <laughs> Coming in like uh, Sean Lee. No, I like I'm not Sean Lee with the leading tackler with a, with 17 tackles. Sean Lee is 600 years old in terms of injuries plus age. Like I just I'm not worried about that defense. So I think they know that they can shut down Demarcus Lawrence because he's the best player on their defense. And that's what you get. Yeah, I I I don't know. I think we need to talk about their their pass rush more this offseason and what they've invested there and uh, give Randy Gregory a call. What's going on there? Maybe it's maybe he'll turn the corner or get Dante Fowler in there. Just keep throwing the shit at the wall and see what happens. Uh, do, do they have a first round pick next year or in twenty twenty? I mean, I know this year was the one that they didn't have. Amari, they had Amari Cooper. I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure they do. I, you know, I think. With Sean Lee getting older, you might want to look at linebacker. I, I do feel like I'm. I feel like they're 
good enough at the defensive back. I think they should take an edge. I think there's a lot of good edges that you could yeah, take, and with, they're going to be middle of the pack. Uh, AJ Espinoza uh, is obviously a guy that you might see in the late 10s, early 15 area. He might go a little bit sooner. Depends on how many wide receivers go down that far because um, it is a heavy wide receiver draft. But the Cowboys need to look at pairing Demarcus Lawrence with someone, and they're going to need to look at pairing Leighton Van Der Esch with someone. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the Dallas Cowboys is not about their defense. It's about their offense. They started the year being one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. They led passing yards and touchdowns. They were doing very well. And then, you know, even last night, you look at it, right? When you have a receiver with 98 yards, a receiver with 73 yards, you know, your running back has 37 yards uh, receiving Um when you there's 265 yards receiving, like to only have nine points, no passing touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns, like that's just a matter of execution. You know, I think, and this is maybe a hot take, but I do think that Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator is doing his job, but I think it's just a matter of execution. If you can't score with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, that's on coaching. I'd be tempted to just relieve Garrett and promote Kellen Moore. No way. As a head coach, he's six years old. I mean, how is that any different than what the Cardinals are doing with Kingsbury? Kingsbury was a head coach. Sure. Kellen Moore, I think, is doing like he's more NFL proven than Kingsbury was coming into the NFL. I think the reality of it is, is you need to have Kellen Moore two more years as an offensive coordinator. I, I honestly think I like I don't think it'd be crazy. Like I would rather I, have Kellen Moore as my head coach than like who could they who who are they gonna get? Like who what kind of retread or somebody like that? I, Mike McCarthy? Yeah, I would rather have Kellen Moore. I mean, would you though? Mike yeah. McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. Sure. Kellen Moore might I don't he might not have his license. Regress. Like I think Kellen Moore's offense. I would trust Kellen Moore's offense with what he's done with Dak this year, nine times out of ten more than what Mike McCarthy did years ago. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying it would work, but out of the options, I don't think it's like... But I will terrible. say this. It's like my third I, best option. I think Lincoln Riley's number one from for them. Lincoln Riley, too. Yeah, I mean, we're not. I'm not even thinking college right now. But I will say this. If Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas, there will be no Kellen Moore. He will be fired. Right. He'll be, let, he'll be let go. I'd be nervous if I was a Dallas fan. I think McCarthy should just take the Browns job. That's where he should go. Like, let's not overcomplicate this, folks. Just yeah, well, I mean, he was just interviewing at the in Carolina. Yeah, he's probably going to go to Carolina, which classic young guy move. To I honestly hire another one. I honestly don't think that Mike McCarthy is going anywhere yet. I think he's going to go a full off season um, of of interviewing because I think he's he took a year off. I still don't know if I think it's actually anything was accomplished in this year, but he did take a year off, so I don't see him taking the first position that's offered to him. He's going to go through the motions. He's going to look at every team. He's going to figure out, you know, he's got his coaching staff that he wants right now. Where can he take all of them? Where can he only take some of them? Yeah. All right. Give me your star this week. Give me soured stars. I mean, I don't mean to be corny. I swear I mean, maybe to God, I... this is a 49er. Jimmy fucking Garoppolo. Uh... Tell me there was a more uh, no, no 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 answer the question uh, seriously was there a more clutch NFL football player 
to this week? Yeah. Was there? Who? Tom Brady. No. Yes. Tom Brady? No. Absolutely not. Clutch? No. You don't have Tom Brady sitting on the back of the one of the best NFL defenses that we've ever seen the in the history. Have, what? Top two defense? The, in the beginning of the year, not now. Yeah. I, uh, Tom Brady had a better weekend, so, I would say. Okay, here, let, let me say this. I will give you the opportunity. This is your podcast. Pitch <laughs> me pitch me Tom Brady. Um, Pitch you Tom Brady from the start? Well, he came – like, what, what, what do we mean? Pitch pitch me Tom Brady as the the most clutch player of the, of the week of the well, – I the think week. beating the Bills the way he did. Because, like, there was a lot on the line. They were bad. And, like, they could have easily folded. And Tom Brady just – went off and he came back and it was a bigger comeback than what Jimmy Garoppolo did. And that so you're saying Tom Brady went off mm-hmm. with one receiving touchdown. Yes. Went off. That's, one run that's at rushing touchdown for Tom Brady. You, but okay. Garoppolo so, had two picks, one TD. He wasn't good in that game for three quarters. Had a good fourth yeah. quarter. But once again, the, the one, Bills are a better team than the Rams. One pick was division a tip. Was on the line. Division was on the line. We can't stress that enough. The division's still on the line. The 49ers can't lose games. No, but I'm saying with the 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 Patriots. I mean, they would. Yeah, I mean, I I get your point. I just there's so many things that go into the Patriots winning at this point with Tom Brady not really where he used to be. I can I could see the argument, but. Jimmy Garoppolo had the entire team on his back. And they had to come back. They were behind the whole game. Two, back-to-back, third and 16, third and 16. I don't know. That's honestly, legitimately, even being a 49ers fan, that was some of the most exciting clutch quarterbacking I've seen. I legitimately do believe that the clutch gene is a real thing. I really do. And I think it's just a matter of poise, calmness, confidence. I think it all kind of comes together. Clutch is not just being lucky. It's just having the balls to be able to do it in the moment. And, yeah, Tom Brady is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. But Duck Hodges getting in there, getting out, then still losing? Probably not. I don't think he's going to win this week. You, I just When you look at the New England receiving, right – uh, obviously, Rex Burkhead and Julian Edelman each had longs of 31 and 30. But other than that, Jacoby Myers' long, the longest pass was 15 yards. Mohamed Sanu was 10. James White, 9. And Keel Harry was 12. Uh, ben Watson, 7. Matt Lacoste, 8. Sony My- Michelle, 5. Those are – he just tiny, quick passes. That's all he does, though. That's what he does I know. all the time. But that's to me. That's not clutch. That's safe. That's not star. That's safe. He 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 right, played. Well, can I make the case here? His yards per attempt, average yards, highest since um, week five. It been in the fours, the fives for weeks. Back up to eight point two quarterback rating, one eleven. No picks in this game. No picks. That's good. Eighty percent of his passes. Eighty percent against a very very good Bill secondary. But. That's my point, though. The good Bills secondary, they didn't see it. The secondary didn't see it. It was the linebackers. That, yeah. I mean, sure. Time. This is a great game for Tom Brady. I, I would say this is maybe, is this his best game of the year? 
I, oh, 100%. I do, I do think that. I think the moment was important. I think the division game, I think the playoffs for, you know, that I number mean, he was one completing seed. 50% of his passes for a month and a half. And then he's back up to 80. This is what they needed. This was a, like, hey, I've got to do this. I've got to get this shit right. Yeah, I mean. Get right game. I will say overall, yes. Overall, Tom Brady had a great game. He could definitely be a star. Um, this was just a reminder to me that they're winning the AFC again this year. Like the, Maybe, maybe. We're, we're overthinking this. No, uh, I mean, they still, the Ravens, I don't think we'll RG3 see. is as bad as you see. Uh, but I don't want to forget. The defensive side of the ball, I'm going Chandler Jones. Okay. Absolute monster. Chandler Jones is one of the most underrated NFL players, period. Uh, absolute monster. I think about the years when J.J. Watt and Alden Smith, uh, you know, even Von Miller, and you look at these guys who were literally every sack was basically – talked about and celebrated as they got close to breaking these records every single sack was talked about as if it was the most important thing they've ever done and they had these huge rec you know huge sack games chandler jones is insane i mean he had four sacks this game right i think he's at a total now uh sacks on the season he's at 19 in first place 19 sacks is insane he's got a chance of breaking the record so four sacks against the Seahawks to beat the Seahawks division game. You know, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was very clutch and a huge star and a huge moment to win that game. But overall, Chandler Jones, no doubt about it. That's fair. You want to get into this week's games? Week 17? Of course. I miss the Saturday games. We should have ended another weekend of that because Saturday NFL games are, are very nice. Very good. I'm a fan. No, I mean, 100%. Well, here's my thing. College football, overrated. Mm. College football is overrated. And the reason why I say that, because college football is the reason why we don't get Saturday games. Right? They have an agreement. No games on Saturday so that we're not getting in the way of college football. This is America. This is a capitalist society. The best product should win, period. And I think wholeheartedly, if... You put NFL games on Saturday, no one's watching college football. You know who's watching college football? People in Georgia. People in Alabama. I think people, in, people are still watching. I think you're underselling it. I, Significantly. I, there's, you know, cities like or you know, like Oregon, obviously, right? Oregon is gonna watch the Ducks. They don't have a football team. Maybe, you know, they're gonna be have your diehard fans, sure. But I think every NFL team that's actually good, that has a good product to watch, those fans will watch the NFL over college any day of the week. I mean, yeah, NFL is king for sure. But I think a lot of – I don't. I also wouldn't want the, the disconnect. I like them being on different days. It's it's nice. Oh, no, I hear you. I'm just saying that's why we don't, we don't get Saturday games. For sure. Um, Packers at Lions. Packers had some trouble with the Lions in recent years. Um the lines are so bad this year. The first seed, uh, the first seed, the number one seed is on the line potentially if the Packers win tonight. And I think they're in good position because Kirk Cousins is like 0 and 8 on Monday Night Football. So until that changes, let's go ahead and pitch them in. They'll be the Packers are down. Um, they are 10 to 6, but I'm not really worried. I think Packers are winning tonight. Um, Packers 13 and 3. I, I think they'll be playing for something. 
this is still interesting because if the Seahawks win and the Packers went out, they get the number one seed in the NFC, and that's huge for them. Um, yeah, definitely. The Packers, um, but uh, would not be surprised if the Lions keep this close because the Lions just weirdly play the Packers close every year. Yeah, you know, I honestly have been low-key kind of a fan of the Lions for a long time in a sense of I, I, I would appreciate them having success. I've always liked Matt Stafford. Uh, I think that they've always just had a bad string of luck. Uh, you know, having Calvin Johnson be wasted, having Barry Sanders be wasted. So at the end of the day, though, Packers aren't losing. Good teams don't lose against the against the Lions, especially in moments like this. Taking the Packers. Vikings at Bears. Uh, good God, Chicago. I, I just – I you can't bring Trubisky back, and they're going to finish the season with a one more loss on the road in Minnesota. 100%. Mitch Trubisky – is going to be a reverse Russell Wilson. He is going to be the Matt Flynn of the situation. They need to draft another quarterback or sign a free agent like Cam Newton or maybe Marcus Mariota, something. I don't know. Um, you know, Marcus would have to be a trade, I think. But, yeah, at the end of the day, the the Bears are so, so despicably bad. And yeah, they're not seven and eight because that defense is amazing. And uh, Mitch Trubisky should be sad and ashamed for wasting. Yeah, yeah, but they've also they've also played some bad teams this year. That's true. Chargers at Chiefs. Is this the last Philip Rivers game? And why will it be a forty-five point drubbing? Well, I mean, it's interesting because how much of that game does Patrick Mahomes play, if at all? Yeah, they, uh, they haven't even played. They're locked in that three seed. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it all depends on on if Pat Mahomes decides to play some football. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Chargers are a mess, and Philip Rivers, for the sake of all of us, needs to just please just go be a dad, dude. You've got sixteen kids. Just <laughs> stop playing football. Be a dad. You've got enough money, maybe, hopefully, to afford this life you've chose to live. Uh, just go be a dad, dude. Stop it. Like, be a dad. Be a college coach. Be a high school coach, maybe. You just have to work Fridays. It's not that busy. Whatever you do, I don't care. Just get out of the NFL. Let the Chargers rebuild. There you go. Browns at Bengals. Bengals actually locked up the number one seed. I, I think I'm going to take the Bengals. So, you know, I took the Bengals last week mm-hmm. and they lost by three points in overtime. Mm-hmm. I was feeling really good about that pick. I was going to text you. Um, but then, of course, they lost kind of last second. They did. I think I think that anybody that is forced to watch the Bengals-Browns game, it's I feel so bad for you. I, 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 I am going to wholeheartedly not pick a team. In this round uh, for the, this matchup, because both of these teams are disrespectful to NFL fans, it is disrespectful to even show that. It shouldn't even be televised. It should just be the game is tickets are free and donated to charity for little kids, cancer patients, something, anyone else. But no one should have to watch that game. Saints at Panthers, another one, just an absolute stink show at the one o'clock hour. Um, Terry Bridgewater is going to light the Panthers up. Yeah, this is uh, this is a Saints one. Another team playing for uh, the number one overall seed. 
they're they're going to be locked in. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, it's not Falcons. even not even a at Bucks because I thought the Falcons were playing the Panthers this week. I just realized they're not. They're playing the Bucks. On so the this road. is the week. This is great. This is great news. Like as we're recording, I just realized I had it switched. They are playing on the road against Jameis. This is incredible. Jameis plays the Falcons great. Like he beat him already this year. He he always plays the Falcons well. Six and ten. The last moment. Dirk Cutter. Revenge game goes the opposite way. I yeah, think I don't. Falcons lose this game. I'm give me the Bucks. Six and it's ten. Interesting. Fire everybody. Celebration, folks. We saw a very not impressive Jameis Winston. Obviously, everyone knows he threw four interceptions. It felt like twelve. Um, after you know, everyone talked about how good he is or how good he's been playing, even though he's got the picks. I don't know that we see that version of Jameis again. And I really don't know that the Falcons are capable defensively of picking on Jameis like that, especially with Trufon out. So who knows? Uh, anyone's game here. I still think the Falcons have been on a roll lately, and I don't see them losing to uh, the Bucks. So I'm going to take the Falcons. There we go. Um, Colts at Jags. This is another game. I don't want to even pick this. This is another game where I it's don't. just no, nobody wins. I just I give me the Jags, I think. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm always going to root for Gardner Minshew, so yeah. God, I don't like that game at all. I'll be watching zero. I, I That's not true because I end up going through all the different tape the next day, but I will not be watching that live. Um, The Eagles at the Giants. They have to play for their playoff lives. Um. Giants had their moment. Eli throwing napkins in the air like he's at the strip club over the weekend. Good for Eli going out on a fun note. But uh, I think the Eagles Eagles win this. Yeah, I, th- I don't I don't see the Eagles losing to the Giants, even though Saquon seems to fully be back. Um, I don't think it's enough. Uh, I think I hope the def- you know I hope the Eagles personally. I need them to go in. Uh, pretty aggressive and roll into the playoffs because I think they're going to play the Seahawks uh, in the in the in the first round of the playoffs. So I would like to see them beat the Seahawks, which I do think is possible. So I'm picking the Eagles. All right, here we go. We're going to do a lightning round for the last six. You ready? Because yep. I know you got to get out of here. Rams hosting the Cardinals. I give me Rams ending on a high note, nine and seven. They'll be fine. I think the Rams, just because uh, I don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback over in Arizona. Steelers, Ravens on the road. Maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe not. I still think they win without Lamar Jackson. I think RG3 RG3. is actually enough to beat Devlin Hodges. RG3 is most definitely enough to beat Devlin Hodges. Uh, I think the the Steelers, excuse me, their, their little Cinderella story all year long has been way overplayed, and it's happened for too long. Also, we all think, want Chiefs Titans in the first round. I I, wa- I don't want Steelers going to Kansas City. No thanks. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I want a team that can beat the Chiefs. Titans at Texans. This is a weird game because it just this happened. Is, <laughs> this is a weird game. I don't know what to think. What do you think? I think the Titans win because I don't think they're losing back to back. I don't think they're losing twice to the Texans. I think they're a Jekyll and Hyde team. The Texans are, and I think. 
they're going to be fine. The Texans have won two straight. This is all the makings of a revenge game for the Titans. And they're they're going to respond well. This is every their season's on the line. They have to win this game. The Texans don't have to. They won the AFC South already. They're locked in at the four spot. Give me the Titans. I so I obviously I had the uh you know, I had the Texans beating the Titans, which that happened. Um, but at this point, I, I'm going to agree with you here because I do think the Titans have more on the line. Um, and it's hard to beat the same team twice in a row unless you're the 49ers. Shout out to them. So there we go. Raiders at Broncos. Give me the Broncos. This I'm, might be my lock of the week. I, I can't go that far, but I can definitely, definitely say that I 100% am all aboard the Drew Lock train. He is fun. Nothing says this guy's legit like beating the, the Detroit Lions defense um, late in the season. Nothing says that this guy's going to be a star. Oh, yeah. Said, all in on Drew Locke. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, Redskins at Cowboys. Cowboys win, but unfortunately, Eagles win earlier in the day, and uh doesn't matter. Wait a second. Is that, are these both at 4 o'clock, or is the Eagles game at 1? No, they're both at 4, so one team won't know how the other team did already. Damn. Um, yeah either way i'm pretty i'm the same way cowboys are gonna win but it doesn't matter last game your team on the road sunday night football against the seahawks division on the line um give me the 49ers it's as simple as this Uh oh. and i've got i've got five minutes as i do have to take my buddy to the yeah. lax airport because i am a good friend and he is a son of a bitch um last time the San Francisco 49ers played against the Seahawks. They were without George Kittle. They lost Emmanuel Sanders right after they went up 10 points and seemingly were going to rout the Seattle Seahawks. This time, they will have a fully hand- healthy Emmanuel Sanders, a fully healthy Debo Samuel, a fully healthy George Kittle. Plus, we might get Ford back, but it looks like not. We're going to get some pieces back. Um, Julian Taylor, who's a defensive tackle that plays the inside really well, is coming back healthy. Uh, Very good uh, run stopper there. I think the Seahawks are frauds. I I said this before, and I'll say it again. They're going to tell you all about their injuries, about how they lost the two running backs that were never good in the first place. They're going to tell you all about, uh, you know, Quandre Diggs. Was it? Is it Quandre Diggs? Yes. He's out, right? Yes, he's out. It's not good right. for him, but Clowney looks like he, he should be ready for the playoffs. And I they think he'll said, be out this game, too. No, they said Clowney will go if he can go. Um, but George Kittle's back, so Clowney's not going to be able to do the things that he's been able to do uh, because George Kittle will just be there to help block, and he will light your ass up. Um, I think that the 49ers go in for the first time in what I think feels like 26 years and will handedly 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 beat the Seahawks and start what I want to say right here and right now could potentially be the final season of Pete Carroll coaching for the Seattle Seahawks. Oh no, 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 no. It's a hot take, but I'm just telling you if things go very bad, very bad in the playoffs, he might the NFL's oldest coach I think he'll just be forced to fire Brian Schottenheimer. I don't think he's gonna get fired. I don't think he's gonna get fired. I'm not. You know, you're not. You're no, 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 no. I'm not saying he's gonna get fired. I'm saying Pete Carroll will retire 
the NFL's oldest coach. I just don't think he's gonna retire. Like that dude's like the youngest, oldest coach in the NFL. He's like I understand on the top of the locker room still. Like no, I he's, get he's fine. That, well, he's that was five anywhere. years ago. Yeah, it doesn't so, matter. I'm, yeah, once again, it's a hot take. Is it likely? Not Maybe not. Him. But I do think that the Seahawks are going to have a worse playoffs than when they went in seven and nine. Beast Quake. It's going to be ugly for them the next two weeks, three weeks. He'll be chewing a lot of gum. That we can confirm. Um, Evan, you have to run, but I appreciate the time. As always, man, this is this is a lot of fun, and I'm glad we're able to do this every Monday. Um, is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, the Chase Thomas podcast. No, I'm really <laughs> enjoying Once again, as I say every week, I look forward to this. I love talking about the NFL as a whole. It is a breath of fresh air to not just have to talk about the 49ers, even though I love my team. Uh, I, so I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I can't wait to talk next week when the 49ers have the number one seed in the NFC, and they will have a first-round bye as they look forward to winning the Super Bowl. Good God. Just it's amazing what one week does for you just down the dumps last week back in the super bowl for you this week um the falcons will not be in any of those things but bleedy ray wilson forever evan thank you talk to you soon buddy all right man all right that'll do it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast thank you uh to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show thank you uh to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode Uh, i greatly appreciate it um if you like today's episode leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. For as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever. Um, links to everything that you need um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.